Good morning and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Today we are very excited because not only do we have a fantastic guest, we've also got a really, really interesting topic to talk to you at home about. Now, today's topic, before I introduce our guest, is about regeneration. And it's been a massive topic at the moment going into the election with levelling up, um, HS2. There are so many factors that as the public, we need to be aware of just how difficult it is to regenerate. But also remember that place shaping is one of the most critical parts of a local government's role. But there are real challenges to getting it right. So I thought who best to bring on than Paul Richards, uh, who is the, well, let me give you a little bit of background of Paul Richards. Paul Richards is the CEO of the Stockport Mayoral Development Corporation, alongside being the Director of Development and Regeneration for Stockport Council, and has previously been Property Director for Pindale, uh, sorry, Findale PLC, Home Form Group, and Wine Cellar. His extensive senior level experience of managing occupational property portfolios and capital transformation programs, and is a chartered surveyor. In his current role within the council, he's responsible for the £1 billion, that's £1 billion investment into development, regeneration, all across the borough, in addition to its culture and leisure team and economy working skills. So who better to lead us through what's worked at Stockport and also to talk about the sector? Paul, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Matt. Um, I'm great after that introduction. I'll have to put that on my CV. Please do. I'm a professional cheerleader as well as professional podcaster. But no, it all seriousness, thank you so much for coming on. I guess in a way, if we can start with, I'd like your views on this. Why is regeneration so important as part of a council's role? So that's, that's a really good question. And, you know, if, if local authorities aren't the custodians of their places, then who is? would be the, the, the question I'd, I'd kind of respond back with. And we believe, certainly in Stockport, that we, we are firmly custodian of place. Now, it doesn't mean the council has to do everything. And one of the things that, that we've learned over, over our regeneration journey is absolutely the power of partnership, that amplification that comes from working collaboratively, collaboratively and collectively with, with our partners. Uh, but you know, the, the council is the one thing that's fixed in a place and therefore, you know, they have to take a, a custodial role. And also, you know, the council has responsibility for delivering new homes, new jobs, new opportunities. Uh, and and so much of that is place based that you know, it's so important for, for the council to to grasp that responsibility. And in terms of going to a few things you talked about there that I want to kind of get into a bit of detail. Firstly, a custodial role for the people at home, the people that don't work in, in local government. What does that mean? So the the council has a, a variety of uh, of roles in place. So you know, the the obvious ones are it is the the planning authority for the area that it covers. Uh, it is the local highways authority for the area that it covers. But it, it, it also has responsibility for, for making it a thriving place. Uh, and therefore, yeah, we, we use place in, a, I suppose, a number of different ways in, in, the, in that last sentence. But, yeah, the, the physical place is ultimately um, the, the bedrock on, on which all of that is, is delivered. And in terms of obviously Stockport, for those listening at home, has done a tremendous job with its regeneration development, a really forward thinking council. And myself and Paul were talking off air that there is never one way to skin a cat. There's no one way a council should develop. But I, I guess we were really keen to explore today how Stockport's got it right. So how have you got it right, Paul? How has the council done such a good job 
with its regeneration and development. So, yeah, as we said off air, Matt, Stockport's role isn't to tell the people what to do. Yeah, there are, there are a million different ways of uh, of addressing this problem, and, and Stockport has chosen one uh, set of ways to to do that. I think, uh, you know, if I look back over the 10 or 12 years that Stockport has uh, taken a really interventionist approach as a council in regeneration, there's a few key factors in there that, that seem like really important um, decisions. Uh, the first is that interventionist approach. Um, Stockport have been at this for, for quite a while uh, and are, are involved in effectively pump priming markets. So the, the councillors uh, been involved in office space, it's been involved in light industrial space, residential, retail, leisure. The, there aren't too many sectors that, that we've not touched. And always with the intention of investing in Stockport. Uh, you know, none of Stockport's investments have been outside of the borough, nor have they been for anything other than regenerative purposes. Uh, but that then proves the market. And before the council gets involved in any of those investments, we understand the risk. And, you know, regeneration, development by its very nature has risk attached to it. But understanding that risk, uh, and getting comfortable with the risk profile means that we can uh, intervene in the right places. So Stockport Exchange, great example. We're, we're just about to finish phase four of a multi-phase um, uh, workspace scheme. So dealing with three office blocks, two multi-story car parks and a hotel. Sounds like the 12th days of Christmas. Um, and, um, you know, each one of those we've looked at the market, we've understood where we would be by delivering that product in the market. And that's underpinned the decision that the council has made and you know, really uh, supportive by cross-party uh, support from local members to, to do this with Stockport's uh, particular branded politics. We, Stockport has had no overall control for a little while. Uh, we've had a couple of changes in administration over that period, but a, a commitment from uh, those politicians to continue the regeneration journey. So I, I guess that's lesson number two uh, in terms of what we've learned along the way is it, this is long term. It's not a tap you can you can turn off and on. Uh, you have to commit to it and then then follow through with that commitment because what that brings is confidence from the market that this is a place that they can see regeneration happening they can see that there is some uh some money for them to be made because let's be honest the private sector isn't going to come in and uh and do a charitable job here um and Again, you know, it's that custodian place thing. If, if the council isn't confident in its own place, no one else is going to be. You have to be a cheerleader for your place. And there's a bit of proving to the market that there are opportunities here because, uh, you know, whilst uh, as local authorities, sometimes we, we can just think within within our boundaries. With my hat on from, from my former life, there are lines on a map. Um, you know, a, a developer will go 
where the opportunities are. Um, and you know what we've tried to do in Stockport is to demonstrate to that private sector market we're really open for business. You know, there's a few bits on there that I, I absolutely agree with. And I think the first thing you've talked about there is 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 leveling up, sorry, regeneration, I should say, um, is it, not a short-term fix. It's a long-term investment. It has to be not used as a political football that's kicked around every four years with the change of administration. And it's great to see that the politicians have really bought in and are supporting that long-term investment. You talked about risk. And with all development that carries a risk, how do you, obviously, I mean, just for the background here, everyone listening, Paul was very successful in the private sector and made the transition around about 11 years ago into local government, um, which is fantastic for local government. But how do you approach risk, Paul? And how do you kind of, what's your mindset when you look and get a scheme? Because obviously you want to create confidence, but as we've seen in the sector, sometimes overconfidence can lead to, you know, some pretty dire consequences. How do you how do you ensure that risk is something that protects you, your approach to it, but equally doesn't restrict your your creativity and optimizing the play shaping that you can do? Yeah. So again, really good question, and uh, it, it feels like eleven years, Matt, but it's only been seven, I think. Um, so sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> you don't you don't look a day over twenty five, Paul. Yeah, it's so kind of you. Um, yeah. Again, the the approach to risk is we. Uh, first of all, understanding the risk and the way to understand the risk, again, in, in our view, is we, we take external advice on it. You know, we, this isn't something we we make decisions ourselves. All our decisions are backed up by external advice from experts in, in the field. So that's the first half of the, of the risk element. And, yeah, the, there's loads of things on that risk curve that uh, we could do. There's loads of things we wouldn't do. And you know, some of it is about certainty of uh, being able to return that investment, having assets that underpin that risk. So even if the performance isn't what you expect it to be, you've still got something at the end of the day. But then the, the, the second half of that risk approach is absolute openness uh, and transparency with the decision makers, because, yeah, yeah, I work in, in a political environment in the public sector. The decisions ultimately lie with uh, uh, with our cabinet or in, the, or in the case of the Mail Development Corporation with the board. I, I can only ever recommend what what is done, but it's really, really important for those decision makers to have all the facts, all the details, to have the risk spelt out to them as to, you know, if, if we did this, here's, here's a range of things that, that might happen. Uh, and... and you know, it, it then becomes uh, their decision, but hopefully a really well-informed decision underpinned by external views that aren't the views of, of, of just me and the team. What's the proudest thing that you've achieved at Stockport? Oh, gosh. Um, so uh, that's a really difficult one because, uh, you know, none of the stuff that, has been achieved in Stockport has has been achieved solely by me. That that would be ludicrous because it's, it's the work of of many hands. It's the work of a load of partners. So so possibly that that's the proudest thing. You know what, what I'm really proud of is uh, the team that we've been able to to build in Stockport. The partnership approach that we've had. We we work with some amazing partners. So we 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 just 
completely to deal with uh, English Cities Fund to de develop the next 1200 homes as part of the Melbourne Development Corporation. Um, but again, we've chosen a part that's absolutely aligned to, to where we are. And the team, and I'm not just talking about the, uh, the MDC team or the Development Regen team, it's the whole team at Stockport that you know I'm, I'm absolutely proud to to be a part of because you know for for Regen to work and again in our experience for Regen to work um, you, you can't do it on your own you you need so many other bits of the local authority to align with it beyond the politics just in terms of planning or in terms of finance or legal you you need people in there that are kind of bought into the vision and uh, are equally as committed to delivering it. So so I guess that's yes, a cop-out way of saying the proudest thing is, uh, is being part of a team that's absolutely uh, going hell for leather to, to deliver stuff. And it's, you know, it's a really exciting environment to work in. I've got one of the best jobs in the public sector. I don't disagree with you. I think what you guys do at Stockport is absolutely fascinating. And I think it's a sign of a good leader that the first, your first instinct when I ask you what you're most proud of is the fact that you, you think of the people that you've brought together and you've got some amazing people at Stockport. Um, too many to mention this podcast, but you, you, you really do. Um, you, you mentioned there about funding and I want to loop back to what you said before around the fact that all investments and regeneration, rephrase that all regeneration that you've done in Stockport has been in County. It's been about creating jobs for, people are stockport it's been about kind of i don't use the word leveling up but kind of the place shaping to bring stockport to the network where you want to take it to to create opportunities how hard is the funding aspect of regeneration uh yeah i mean part part of the the challenge of regeneration i think is that we're the early adopters in any market so you know we're we're doing the stuff that's on the fringes again I'll, I'll go back to stockport exchange you know we we were looking to shift the office market in stockport understanding its relationship with uh with the manchester with greater manchester with the northwest more widely uh so looking to to shift a market that that just needed someone to take confidence in the fact that you know amazing uh, public transport connections great workforce that occupiers can tap into so all the ingredients were there but someone had to take the risk because what we do is at the margins uh, so you know we develop on brownfield land we pump prime sectors because we know those sectors we believe those sectors should i say uh, will succeed in the future you know, the viability is always a bit challenging um the 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 fact that all the development market, and this isn't regen, this isn't Stockport, this this is uh, across the piece, is struggling with cost of money, cost of materials, construction inflation generally. Uh, you know, we're now starting to see it bleeding into into investment yields. So those development appraisals become harder and harder. We, we've been really fortunate, I think, over uh, the last five or six years in terms of being able to sh secure uh, grant funding to fill those viability gaps, whether it's from uh, regional government or from, from national government. Um, because the, the other thing that uh, I perhaps should have talked about when we were talking about uh, how, we, how we get stuff done is uh, 
our risk won't extend to not having a reasonable possibility of paying back that investment. So we don't invest in stuff that we think is going to be a white elephant. Nobody should be doing that, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it's a challenging funding environment. I think what I'd say, though, and it goes back to the, the point I made about long term commitment, regen isn't a tap you can turn off and on. Uh, and, you know, fortunately, I've been around so long that I've, I've seen a few cycles. The market comes and the market goes and, you know, it, it will uh, return at some point. You know, we've, we've seen that over the last 30 or 40 years. So, again, our approach is to keep going, to do what we can when we can do it, understanding that there might be some stuff that's slightly longer term and might wait for values to catch up with construction inflation or interest rates to drop. Uh, but keep going because, uh, again, what the market wants to see is, is progress. What everyone wants to see is, is progress. And, you know, far too often we... We see master plans that sit on the shelf gathering dust for years and years and years. And you know, to to extend an analogy to almost breaking point, that, that shelf life with the market is only so long. You know, no one wants to see a scheme that was kicked around for, for three or four years, but it's still a master plan. Uh, they lose interest very quickly because there's always something else to do. One of the key things that I think you've done so well at Stockport, I've mean, talked about it already, but is the creating a really strong team. How hard is recruitment into regeneration in your experience with the local government? Depends which recruiter you use, Matt, obviously. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you are such a politician. No, no, it's, it's fine, because I think it was one of the things, isn't it? I mean, you know, you came from the private sector. What attracted you initially to coming into work for Stockport? Um. So, I, I, again, I'm, I'm really honest about this. I've been uh, made redundant in a previous job. I've waited out of redundancy knowing I was going to get a payoff uh, and was doing a bit of consultancy, kicking around. And, you know, I, I'm not sure I should tell the story on the podcast. Uh, I met someone in a pub at Christmas that I'd known for 30 years uh, and uh, we, you know, we, we're still good friends. Uh, and he said uh, he needs some help on development. Can he... Can he come and uh, can I come and help out? Uh, to which I conceitedly said he can't afford me. Um, so, but I came on a, a six month term uh, to to work on a specific scheme um, that had just started and, and just needed a little bit of help with, um, and just loved it. You know, I, I love the variety. I love the challenge. I love the uh, the commitment that Stockport has to, to regeneration and to place, and that comes from the from the top all the way through the organisation. Uh, you know, our, our our current council plan, it, its number one ambition is about regeneration in investment and jobs and growth. Yeah, that that is absolutely in the DNA of what what Stockport do. So. Uh, so I wasn't initially attracted because, again, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, would I work in the public sector? I'd be pretty certain what my answer might be. Um, but, you know, what, what we um, hopefully offer is just an amazing quality of work uh, because there is so much going on. And, you know, that approach of doing everything at once to get maximum impact, um, yeah, it's, it's really challenging at times. But it's it's really exciting as well. So, 
look, we you know we we're not going to compete uh, entirely with pay on uh, with the private sector, but pay is not the the only thing that um, uh, is important in the public sector. Um, and you know we we've managed to uh, attract the right people, and you know skills are still somewhat limited um, in in development and regeneration, possibly as a result of, um, you know, what happened in 2007, 2008, where, you know, development just stopped and and all that talent coming through uh, kind of took a break for a little while. So trying to find people who've been in it for 15 or 20 years, some of that doesn't exist because that, that those skills weren't, weren't developed post the, post the crash. Um, but there are people out there, um, and again, we've taken a slightly flexible approach. You know, what's what's really important for us is is commitment and values, and and wanting to to be here. You know, the, the with with the right skill set, and you know, we we try and look slightly wider than just technical skill set. Um, you know, we, we've been able to build build a team that didn't all necessarily come from a, uh, an out and out region background, but you know, we, we, we've been able to train some people up as well. Um, and yeah, you know, the, there are, there are people out there. It's just knowing where to find them. Amazing. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's been really uh, illuminating and quite frankly, quite inspiring to talk to you about regeneration and what you guys are doing at Stockport. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. You've been listening to The Truth About Local Government podcast. Today, we've had Paul Richards on to talk about regeneration, what Stockport's doing, not to say what you have to do with regeneration, but we can all learn something from what they've done there. It's been amazing. Thank you for your time for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, as always, please like, share, give a five-star review, and I look forward to bringing other episodes to you later in the week.